Missionary Baptist Church welcomes you to a time of harvest. It is our hope and prayer that the Spirit of the Lord reaches you through today's message and strengthens your walk with Christ so that you may pass along the word and strengthen others' walk with Christ. And now we present to you a time of harvest. How many of y'all come to praise, praise, praise the Lord this morning? How many of y'all come to praise, praise, praise the Lord this morning? This is a simple song, so I want you to repeat after me. Everybody say praise, praise, praise the Lord. 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 Come on, sing it again. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. Sing it again now. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Come on, take it up. Everybody say praise, praise, praise the Lord. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Listen to this. With my whole heart, I worship Christ the King. A living sacrifice to Him, not praise the praying. Everybody say praise, praise, praise the Lord. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Let's take it up a little higher. When I wake up in the morning. What God has done for me. You know what he did? He loosed my shackles and he set me free. Set me free. Everybody say praise, praise, praise the Lord. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Now listen to this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound.
Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, inviting you to give consideration to our Early Learning Academy as you look for a place for your pre-K, kindergarten, or first grader. We would love to have the opportunity to serve your child. We have outstanding facilities and a wonderful staff of certified teachers itching to serve you. Come by and share with us as soon as you can. We want to talk in this worship about the mechanics of Pentecost. The mechanics of Pentecost. Two Sundays ago, we preached about the ascension of Christ. And in the mid-morning worship, we lifted up the portion of Acts chapter 1 where Luke records that after Jesus had ascended out of their sight, the disciples were committed to three things. They were committed to staying together, praying together, and worshiping together. Well, as we surveyed the account of the second chapter, Luke is careful to point out that 10 days later, the disciples and followers of Jesus were still together in one place. It reminds us that waiting on God doesn't mean that we are to be idle. It doesn't mean that we are to do nothing. Waiting on God means that we will do all that we can. And what we can't do, we will leave lovingly in the hands of the Lord. I appreciate the disciples' attitude. They couldn't go anywhere, for they had been told to tarry in Jerusalem. They couldn't yet proclaim anything, for they had been told to wait until the Spirit came. But they decided we can do something. We can commit ourselves to prayer and to each other. And that's what they did. Shiloh, we must never let what we can't do keep us from doing what we can. There are moments in all of our lives when we feel like we can't do much. But there is never a time when we can't do anything. There's never a time when we can't make a joyful noise to the Lord. There's never a time when we can't serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. There's never a time when we can't touch and agree knowing that he will be in our midst. The disciples stayed together and prayed together. They committed themselves, each to the other, as they waited for the Comforter to come. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit spread through their gathering. Pentecost was the traditional harvest festival of the Jews. It was a high, holy day 
which meant that Jews from all over the world would travel to Jerusalem and bring their offerings to the temple. But on this Pentecost, God did something special that would change humanity forever. Pentecost was the celebration of reaping after much labor had been expended. And symbolically, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the abundant addition of souls to the church on this particular Pentecost, it represented the first fruits of a spiritual harvest that is still going on today. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was God's ultimate vindication and continuation of the work of his beloved son. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is God's commission to the church to continue to labor in the vineyard of humanity to make disciples of Jesus. At the start of the Pentecost festival, the believers were together in one place in Jerusalem. And suddenly, with no warning, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit came over them. The Holy Spirit consumed them. It's as important to note what Luke doesn't say about this event as it is to note what he does say. Luke doesn't say that they were engaged in some activity trying to conjure up the Holy Spirit. Luke doesn't say that they had come with some special formula that would hasten the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, what Luke says is that as they were together in one place, the Holy Spirit began to move among them. They didn't draw him. They received him. Now, church, I'm moving as fast as I can, but I need to tell you that we can't draw the Holy Spirit, but we can position ourselves in such a way to receive the Holy Spirit. For those who are not yet saved, don't listen to folk who tell you that you can summon the Holy Spirit. That's not how the Spirit operates. For those who are saved, don't believe those who tell you that spirit power must respond to some formulaic religion. That's not how the Spirit operates. If we would experience Pentecost power from the paraclete, we must only do one thing, and that is receive the Holy Spirit. 
Receiving the Holy Spirit involves humbling ourselves. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Receiving the Holy Spirit involves a willingness to die to self. If anyone will come after me, let him take up their cross. And I don't know anybody who survives crucifixion. It's designed to kill. Receiving the Holy Spirit involves unswerving obedience. If anyone will come after me, then let them follow me. When we're willing to do these things, then we're ready to receive the Holy Spirit. At the start of the Pentecost festival, the believers were together in one place. And suddenly, with no warning, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Let us consider the mechanics of this Holy Spirit presentation. First, there was the sound of mighty wind. It filled the house where they were gathered. The sound of the rushing wind represented the creative power of God. The word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach, and in Greek it's pneuma, and each denotes wind or breath. The writer of Genesis 1, in telling us about the formation of the earth, says that the Ruach, the Spirit of God, moved on the face of the deep. In Genesis 2, he tells us that after forming us with his own hands, God Ruached us. He breathed into us so that we became living souls. John's gospel tells us that a resurrected Jesus in an activity anticipating what was to take place came to his disciples and pneumod them. He breathed on them and told them, receive the Holy Spirit. Shiloh, on this Pentecost Sunday, I'm glad that the first mechanism of the Spirit was the sound of a mighty wind. For wind reminds us that the Spirit of God not only creates, but he recreates. The Spirit of God gives life to our impotent, inanimate souls. The sound filling the house is symbolic of the Holy Spirit filling us. For the promise of Jesus is that he will never 
leave us alone. He's always near. And his power is always available to us. Then more than the sound of mighty wind. Luke says that tongues of fire appeared and came to rest on each of them. The fire symbolized the power to cleanse. Fire was the common method of clearing away contamination. When gold ore was extracted from the earth, it was placed in a large pot and submitted to extreme heat and melted. Once liquefied, the impurities were skimmed off the top so that when the ore was cooled, all that remained was pure gold. And in the same way, these fiery tongues symbolize the power of God to purify that which was defiled. Church, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that the power of the Holy Spirit is able to clean my contaminated spirit. You see, I'm like Isaiah when he first saw the Lord. Isaiah said he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, something happened to him on the inside. Isaiah looked at himself and he didn't like what he saw. He saw how weak he was. He saw how sinful he was. He saw how pitiful he was. And he said, woe is me. I'm a wretch undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. But I'm glad that the fire of the Holy Spirit is able to purify my defiled spirit. I'm glad that the fire of the Spirit put God's mark on me and shows me that in God everything is all right. Well, finally, Luke records that there was a third mechanism at work in this movement of the Spirit. He says that as the Spirit moved in the room, the apostles began to speak. He doesn't record what they say. That doesn't seem to be important. But what he does record is how the people heard what the apostles said. Luke says that 
as the Spirit moved and as the apostles spoke, everyone in the room heard them in their own native language. In other words, the Spirit affected their hearing in such a way that all that was said could be understood by everyone who was present. This represents the Spirit's power to unify. This symbolized the Spirit's power to bring folk together. Doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what our economic status is. It doesn't matter what our ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what our level of academic achievement is. The Spirit of God is able to bring us together. Go back to Genesis 11 and see how as a result of the Tower of Babel, the Spirit of God confused their language so that no one could understand the other. And God scattered folk to every part of the earth. But on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit pulled a scattered humanity back together again. And it lets us know that unity is possible to those who would yield to the Holy Spirit. Church, the mechanics of the Spirit on Pentecost included recreation, included cleansing, and included unity. And these are the things that we need if the church will fulfill its mission in the world. In the 11 o'clock worship, we're going to move from mechanics to meaning because Pentecost is about more than evidences of power, but it's about spiritual power changing lives. If we've experienced the Holy Spirit, it ought to be evident in how you live. The Spirit ought to change your walk. The Spirit ought to change your talk. The Spirit ought to change your attitude. The Spirit ought to change your priorities. Just consider how the Spirit changed Peter that day. As the people gathered to see what was happening, a Spirit-filled Peter stood before the crowd and he gave a powerful testimony. Peter, who had a temper problem, Peter, who couldn't stay up on the water. Peter, who when Jesus talked 
about dying told him you don't know what you're talking about. Peter, who became so frightened that he said three times, I don't know the man. When the spirit came on Peter, there was a change in his life. Peter stood up and said, this Jesus whom you crucified was dead, but he is alive and he's at the right hand of the Father. Peter said, the stone you builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Oh, church, I'm closing now. But if you've had the spirit in your life, you ought to be able to testify. Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my heart. Jesus picked me up. Jesus turned me around. Jesus planted my feet on a solid foundation. This Jesus is King of Kings. This Jesus is Lord of Lords. This Jesus is the Lord of all. He's able, 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 able. There's power in the spirit. There's power in the spirit. Power to break every chain. Power to open doors for you. Power to make your enemies behave. Power, 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 power. Yeah. Yeah.